Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Our scriptures, Psalm 78 and verse 41. Amen. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Amen. How many of you want to absolutely unleash the power and the glory of God. Don't wanna, you don't want to limit or try to limit a God that has no limits. All right, it don't go well for you. Okay, it don't go well for you. Amen. And this particular psalm gives a, if you read the whole thing, it gives, gives us a brief summary of how God delivered his people out of Egypt. Amen? Remember that story, right? He delivered his people out of Egypt, and then he provided for them in the wilderness. But in verse number 40, says, How often did they provoke him in the wilderness, and they grieved him? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand, nor the day He delivered them from the enemy. Let me ask you this. Very important. How many of you remember the day that you were baptized? How many of you remember the day God filled you with the Holy Ghost? How many remember your first experience? The first day you walked into a Pentecostal church. Amen. But see, if we're not careful, right? The Bible says that they forgot how God had delivered them from being in bondage for 400 years, and it grieved God. Amen. And so, when we Doubt, murmur, and complain, we limit God's power. Would you agree with that? And we limit His power, His grace, and glory rather than showcasing His excellence and majesty as our King. How many of you believe that that the Lord our God, our King, how many of you believe that He has enough power and provision to meet your every need. He's our king. Has he lost any of his glory? No. No, he hasn't lost any of it. So, in a sense, when what Israel was doing was they were limiting God, and we are, in a sense, telling the world when we complain. I know nobody complains, right? Nobody murmurs. Nobody... Right? You never complain if you have a bad day, right? We don't do that. But if perchance we do, in a sense, we are telling the world that our shepherd does not take care. Numbers 21 and 4, listen to this. 
just goes along the same line here. It says, the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Anybody became weary here in the last, oh, we're only in this thing, what, a year and a half or so? Anybody became a little bit weary with, you know, you just kind of, it kind of wears you on you after a while, doesn't it? Man. And how many, how many believe, though, that God is still in control? How many of you believe that if I'm living, you're living in this day, you must have thought that you were the right person for the right time? And if we believe that, then we've got to believe that no matter what day that we live in, that we should have, we should have in our walk with God, we hopefully, prayerfully should be able to show the world in our relations with God that we're not going to complain, we're not going to doubt, we're not going to fear, okay? I'm going to live for God because I know that he has everything under control. I might be out of control, but he's in control. Amen. And uh, so the people were discouraged. When we are downcast, we limit God. Think about this. And we limit the potential harvest. How many of you believe that you can harvest, reach into the harvest field and, and and draw a soul out of that, out of the harvest field when you're having a bad day. Probably not, right? In fact, you're probably it's best, right? Sometimes we just stay home, okay, and and sleep it off, right? <laughs> Lay on the couch and sleep it off. Amen. So I think that when we talk about not limiting God, that or when we do limit. There are three areas that will help us to understand this, at least my thought here. Number one, it depends on how big your God is. Number two, depends on how valuable you are in his eyes. And number three, what is your potential? Let's talk a little bit about, uh, about this. How big is your God? We've talked about it several times, right? How big is your God? The sun, our sun, is 93 million miles away. Okay, that's our sun. If you left now and drove the speed limit, it would take you 163 years to get there. But once you got there, you would get lost because the sun is big enough to hold, okay, 1,300,000 Earths. Okay? Uh, Lord, I've got a... I've, I've got this really huge problem, or, you know, it's really big. 
Thank you. If you kept on driving and eventually got to a star by the name of Antares, I don't know if that's the way you pronounce it, Brother Mark, you probably know that, you would be shocked at how big your new home was because 64 million of our sons could fit inside of it. How big is your yacht? Got to love John the first chapter, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world. And the world was made by him. Guess who? Hello? Who was in the world? Okay? He was in the world. The world was made by the God-man. And the world did not understand it at all. He was in the world, the world was made by him, the world knew him not. And the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then we know Matthew. How big is your God? The Holy Ghost shall overshadow you, Mary. That which is conceived by you is of the Holy Ghost. You shall bring forth the Son, the word that became flesh, he came unto his own. The world was made by him. The word became a living human being. Emmanuel, God with us. Call his name Jesus because he might be able to save his people from their sins. No, he's big enough. He shall. He shall save his people from their sins. Goes on to say, Emmanuel being interpreted, God is with us. Amen. See, you cannot diminish God and you cannot diminish how big and how great your belief in God is. Nobody can do that. How big is your God? How big do you believe He is? He's pretty big, huh? Yeah. You can't diminish God. He is un He's unchangeable. He's the same. Yesterday, today, He'll be the same tomorrow. He gives His glory to none, He says. He alone is the creator of all things. And so when we reduce or when we diminish God, when, when we try to somehow, you know, God's not big enough to handle my problem, we're, we're telling, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to explain to God that, he, Lord, I'm sorry, but you know, I know you can help other people, but you're just not 
you're not big enough to handle my situation. And that's kind of what Israel was doing. They were limiting, as they said, the Holy One of Israel. Amen. You cannot diminish how, however big you believe your God is. He's bigger than that. He's, I mean, how many earths spit in the sun? A million three hundred thousand. A million three. And, and how many suns fit in? 64 million of the suns fit in that one star. That's not even the big guy. Well, how big is God? How big is your God? You don't know? Yeah, he's pretty big, huh? Yeah, there you go. Stretch it out. <coughs> so, you know, you, you, cannot, you cannot limit how big God is. You just can't do it. There is no limitation. There is no limitation. Number two, how valuable are you in his eyes? How, how valuable are you? Writer says this. He says, Jesus did not die to make you valuable. His death simply proved your value. See? He didn't die, right? He didn't die to make you valuable. He died to show you how valuable you are in his eyes. We know the story, Matthew 10. Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Anybody got two pet sparrows? Sell them and probably get a nickel for them. He says, and but not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your hair head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than any sparrow. That's why the model prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy Kingdom come, thy will be done, thy will be done, right? How valuable are you? You are a rare find. In fact, there will never, ever be another one like you. Never. Let me show you a uh, photo of a human cell. Okay, I, I wish you could see that clearly, right? Supposedly, that is the most detailed representation of a human cell to date. Now, and if you could look inside there, it is, it's like, it's like a grand design within the cell. That's a, that's a cell. That is a human cell. You know how many cells fit, they say, on the, the point of a ball pin, of an ink pen? 100,000. 
That's what they say. I know. I've never, you know, I, I've never seen a lot of them dancing around that way. That's one cell. Now, show the the fingerprints to the cliff if you would. How valuable are that is an enlarged fingerprint. Okay? Somebody uh, turn to Psalm 139, or Brother Cliff, maybe you can put it up there. No, you can't, because I don't want to lose that print. Somebody read Psalm 139, 13, and 14. Somebody get that. Raise your hand when you get it. Thank you. I would like you to read that, okay? Now, remember the cell. Remember this, this fingerprint here. Did you know there is there are no two fingerprints alike? Now, that's wild stuff, right? Seven billion people. You could line up seven billion people. They could give you a, a, a fingerprint. None of them would be alike. That's impossible. Right? That's ridiculous. Who's got that? Go ahead. Victor? Victor, would you read that, Victor? 13 and 14. Did you know, okay, it says, before you came out of the womb, that's one. Did you know that your fingerprints are fully developed at six months while you're still I knew you before. Again, how big is God? How, how by grand design does he, does he put into forming just one like you? There are no others. There will never be another one like you. Your fingerprints by the time you are six months alive in your mother's womb, and they say they do not change for your entire life. Figure that one out. Yeah. Can't even get your mind around that. Let me, let me do something here. How valuable are you? Who do you want? Who do you want to get to know? What's a, what's a date on that $20 bill? Which means it's how old? Okay. Well, more like. 
17. Okay. That's all right. School started today. You're okay. Okay. That $20 bill has a life expectancy of seven and a half years. It will pass through an average of 75 hands per year. For a total lifespan, that $20 bill in its lifespan of seven and a half years will touch 550 people. That one there, if those averages, if we take those averages, that means that $20 bill has passed through over 1,100 hands. Law enforcement officials say, I'm sorry, Brother Victor, but this is what it, they say. They say it's almost impossible to find a $20 bill without traces of cocaine on it. Don't lick your fingers, okay? It most likely, all right, that particular $20 bill passed through $1,100 or 1,100 transactions, people's hands. Lord only knows. But likely, it has been stolen. It has been used for immoral and unethical purposes out of going through 1,100 people. However, its value has not diminished by what it has been used for or by what it has gone through. Its value was determined by the U.S. Treasury Department. Still a $20 bill. Likewise. Our value, your value, the way, the value that God puts on you, okay? It is not determined or diminished by what you have gone through. Your value was and is determined by God. The bad things that may have happened in your life do not present a problem for God. He's too big for that. They don't present a problem for God, nor do they disqualify you from reaching your potential. You cannot diminish my value in relation to my creator. You can't do it. You can call me every name in the book. But Larry, but guess what? It don't matter what you think because... I'm still worth just as much in God's eyes. My value has not diminished. People, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, I've, wow, I've, you know, I've done too much, man. God, <laughs> I'm way bad. You know, God can't help me none. You know, he can't, he can't save me. I'm too far. Really? How big is your God? How big of a God do you serve? He proved how valuable he thought you were. Not in the eyes of men, but he said, I'll show you how valuable you are in my eyes. I formed you 
and gave you your own identity different from anybody else that has ever been created. Oh. And we'll, God said, you're limiting the Holy One of Israel. Do you, do you even comprehend what I can do in your life? That's always amazing, right? That's just amazing. How can, how can, there you go. Now, here, oh, you, you can appreciate that, right? I know Devin's seen them before. Sports Illustrated, what's the date on those? 56? The mix on it? What's the price on that? 25 cents. Seven fifty for a year. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're both really nice. They have uh, they actually have an advertisement in there for some kind of cigarettes, some kind of tobacco, and it says we guarantee that it does not have heroin in it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, it's in there. That's old school, 1956. But, see, you and I, how many of you have something, a real special gift? Okay? That's probably not, okay, that gift that you have is, to you it's really valuable, right? But to your neighbor here, he says, It depends on what it means to you. What you got to understand is that what you mean to God is everything. It's everything. How can he express how valuable we are more than what he has done? And when Israel, after after God had done everything for them, and they came, the Bible says they became discouraged because of the way. There was too many rocks in the path, too many mountains to climb, too many valleys to go down. And they became discouraged, and they began to say, really, God? I mean, I just don't think that, you know, this is the right direction that I should be going right now. I think I should be, you know, over here, over there. No, 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 no. He, Bible, does it not say he orders our footsteps? Every step that I take. When I say, God, your will be done in my life today. I've told you the story. 100 mile round trip, Mount Everest base camp. I didn't stumble or slip or fall that time. You know what? Because it was a God thing. 
so you, you know, the, the things of the world, you know, those, those things will diminish with time, right? The people on those magazine covers, you know, they're, they got a bronze statue of them in Cooperstown, but other than that, they're, they bring up their stats once in a while, and they, oh, yeah, Mantle, he was number seven, New York, baby. He was the man. But other than that, but in God's plan of redemption, you and I are so valuable that not only did he become one of us and paid the ransom to redeem us, but he is going to take us to a place where he is, there we're going to be. And there's not going to be any of this messy ways. It's going to be gold. Right? It's going to be sunshine. Y'all that like rain, you can have rain, but it's going to be sunshine in the end. <clears throat> because you, you cannot, they can never diminish your value. And they can throw you in jail. They can throw, they can say, preacher, you're not supposed to preach like that no more. But you can never devalue how God views you. He thinks I'm the greatest thing on earth. Why? Well, because every one of us, every one of us, he treats us like his firstborn. That's the way he thinks. I mean, if you got a firstborn, then they're special. A special kind, yeah. <laughs> right? There's something about that. For, see, all of us, when it comes to our value to God, he says, Matt, you're my firstborn. Do you realize what that means? Kelly, you're my firstborn. That means that everything that I've got, Goes right down the channel to you. Of course, he is a little bit short on resources, right? He ran out of a few things, and the cupboards are kind of bare, so got to wait until, you know, the trackers bring supplies home. And then number three, what is your potential? What is your potential? Brother Cliff, show that uh, if you would. I, I've used this photo before when we were doing the mustard seed. Okay? See that mustard seed I'm holding? See that strand of hair? That is how big all of us were when we got our start. The female egg is as big as the strand wide of hair, the strand of hair. Every one of you, you think you're a big shot now? Every one of you started that small. Now that's impossible, right? That's what the book says. Every one of us started the same. 
I'll look at you. Right? No. But we, we think, what, what is your potential? How can God cram every how can God cram everything all how can he do that? That's impossible. But when you started, he already had your life planned out. Your DNA was boom, already there. Oh, and by the way, just for kicks and giggles, there are 75 trillion cells in your body. Each cell, okay, remember that little, okay? Each one of those cells has 200 trillion groups of atoms called protein molecules. I can't even get that number, right? Write that out for me. So every one of your bodies has 75 trillion cells. Each cell of those 75 trillion has 200 trillion groups of atoms called protein modules, molecules. The largest molecule is called DNA. The DNA strand carries a hereditary information from the parent to the offspring and all living things, it contains a genetic code and determines whether you will turn out to be a human, a mushroom, or a dandelion. <laughs> if all the DNA strands in the body were bundled up, they would fit into a box the size of an ice cube. But if these same DNA strands were unwound, joined together, the string would stretch from the earth to the sun and back 400 times. And if the coded DNA instructions of a single human cell could be put into English, it would fill a 1,000 volume set of encyclopedias. They say that on the average, okay, I guess potential and brain power are somewhat related because they say on the average, we reach 15% of our God-given potential. Well, when you got 70 trillion of them little boogers running around in you, how many are you using? Just remember, okay, when you think you don't have enough, Remember, you got 70 trillion of them, okay? So, you know, don't, don't think that, you know, you need a few more. What can God do in a single human being that's running around with 70 trillion of those little boogers running? And God's waiting. He's saying, hey, do you realize that if you could tap into about five more of these things?
Brother Jim. You what now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's that's just monkeys right there. Yeah. Okay, listen again to the words spoken in Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you, Jeremiah, in the belly I knew you, and before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In other words, Jeremiah, see that? See the, the one thousandth to the right towards the middle of the left column? That's your prophet right there. If God would take that much time to in one in one cell, what is it possible for you and I to do? John Maxwell writes, the greatest waste of energy in our world is not that of electricity or fuel. The greatest shortage today is the unused potential within our lives. One writer goes, and he writes this, he says, The greatest sin in the world, Adam, included Adam's failure to reach his God-given potential. Dominion. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then he blessed them. God said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds, every living thing that moves on the earth. Adam did not live up to his God-given potential. In order to reach our God-created potential, we must have a divine intervention. The lame man can't run the race until Jesus heals him. The blind man cannot read or understand the scriptures until Jesus touches his side. The man with the broken heart cannot experience the peace and the joy that God has for him until his heart is touched by the master. Philippians 1 and 6. Somebody get that. Uh, Brother Cliff, if you could, you could Cancel that photo and put up the scripture, or where somebody's got it, they can read it. Everybody got it? Here we go. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. He started with he started creating you when you're the size of a strand of hair. That's where he started. And how many believe that he can finish what he started? Huh? How many believe that he wants to finish what he started in you? Amen. Because really, you belong to God. 
created you individually, and you belong to Him. Now, I'm going to close with with a story that I that I read, and it's a great story. It's about a little boy that lived on a farm, and the little boy found a an egg of an e- in an eagle's nest. He brought it back home, not knowing what to do with it. They had a bunch of chickens, so he put it underneath the chicken eggs, along with the other chicken eggs. Lo and behold, they all hatched. And his eagle ran around with chickens, and he thought he was a chicken. He was content. He, you know, he looked a little different, but you never knew anything different. His mom was his chicken, he thought, and so on and so forth. His brothers and sisters were chickens, and the story goes until one day, you know, something started stirring in him. He just felt out of place. One day he looked up, and he saw a bird flying in the sky that looked kind of like his cousin. And he says, you know what? If he can fly, maybe I can fly. And sure enough, guess what? That eagle took off and just landed right out of that chicken's nest. See, that's sometimes the way that, you know, that when we don't really comprehend the greatness and the majesty of God and how big he is and how valuable we are, the potential we are. We get that mindset that we're, you know, we're just we're just ordinary folks. We're just, you know, part of this pot. We're just ordinary. No, you're not. Not by any stretch of the imagination. You're one of a kind. And we're not meant to hang out with chickens meant to hang out with eagles. And the only way that we do that, right, is we find out who we're related to. We need to realize who we were created, not in the image. You know, that eagle was not created in the image of a chicken. He was created in the image of an eagle. You and I. His DNA and there's no limitations. No limits to what God can do. Period. The only limitation is of course sin in our lives and our unbelief and our doubt because we get discouraged along the way and you know, we wake up one morning and say, <laughs> instead of, you know, instead of flying, we're down there hiding in the chicken coop. Amen. All right. God bless you. Let's stand. And that's why we have to hang out with eagles. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to church. That's why we, we got to, you gotta 
You got to hang out. You got to hang out with people that that really that believe that God is as big as we say He is. You know that's the great thing about preaching, right? It don't matter how big I can try to express how big God is. He's still bigger. How powerful He is. He's still more powerful. How good He is. He's still gooder. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right. You want to pray and dismiss us tonight? Would you like to do that? Any young person would like to do that? Gracie, would you like to do that? You look like you're the tall one up here. And I believe we're going to have baptism Sunday. Okay? Right? Okay. Any volunteers? You're on the front, you know, the front bench. Those are the expensive seats. That means that you really want to, you know, to be here tonight. So who wants to close on a word of prayer? All right, I guess you're in. Go ahead, we'll help you. Ready? Just say, thank you, Lord. Bless your people. Amen. I'm bringing back the Couldn't have done it any better. He did great. Hallelujah.